Yeah, I'm fried. I don't know how to pronounce Frau Zetek in English. Uh, yeah, this is Frau Zetek from Saturnia Mist, and you're listening to Dirt Eye Cinema. podcast not a third eye podcast this is one that would most likely have fit better into the late lamented moving towards light show so casual listeners and followers of the website of a more generalist and secularist or mainstream religious bent this is not the episode for you go back and download one of our 90 plus archived episodes with everyone from film directors and actors and boutique liberal presidents to metal bands all across the spectrum from power and traditional to thrash death and black metal there's a lot of stuff there while this is a chat with the man who founded and until recently ran a label and distro, as well as fronting a black metal band, before branching out into an industrial dance side project that's taken on a life of its own, much of what we discuss here is of more interest to those of a more esoteric and metaphysical bent. It was a debate as to which show to file this one under. So again, if that doesn't describe you, your best advice is to skip this episode and just dig back into the archives for some fun and informative career-spanning chats with folks like Tim Lucas, Rick Sloan, Cynthia Rothrock, Leif Christine, Nico Mastarakis, Udo Dirk Schneider, this one goes into a very different headspace than all those. So with that, let's pull back the veil and kick off this as the Moving Towards Light episode it in so many ways is. This is King Alastair Satan from King Satan from Finland, and you are listening to Third Eye Cinema. <laughs> So, how are you? Good. How are you doing out there in Finland? It's okay here, but I gotta warn you, I'm, I got the flu just now, so <laughs> my voice, I, I got a lot of water here, so I can okay. enunciate properly here. So, on this literal Yuletide tonight, we're doing something very different. This is not your typical Third Eye interview, so be warned. This is for a certain sector of our audience, and we'll probably be lost on the larger fan base, who are in all solicitude urge to shut this one down and dig back into the archives for something more to your tastes, be it film-related or speaking with a music guest. 
This is a musician, a former label founder and distro owner, who broke out first in a surprisingly deeper-reaching-than-usual act in the overcrowded and quite honestly poser-filled realm of black metal, before dropping the label and channeling his energies more in the direction of a highly psychoactive and quirky dance-industrial act, simplifying and sweetening the message while still retaining the same points, aims, and lyrical focus of his earlier band, which I believe is still in a semi-active status as well. We're talking tonight with a prankster figure, in one sense driven by humor, but at the same time as dead serious and dark as they come. A man who, in defiance of standard, clearly practices and evangelizes the 80s school of chaos magic, while simultaneously bearing a fairly deep understanding and respect of Crowley and Thelemic tradition, all while identifying primarily as a Satanist. We'll be getting into all this and much more, but if you will, join me in welcoming my friend Santu Kainalainen, a.k.a. Father Zetek, a.k.a. King Fucking Satan. Welcome to the show. Uh, thank you very much. I'm glad we're doing this. About the new aesthetic, I gather you saw a few too many Tim Burton films and decided, hey, screw corpse paint, let's go full on Johnny Depp gone juggalo? Uh, maybe not for Tim Burton as a general, but uh, of course I cannot deny the meaning of Beetlejuice there. I think everybody will see that. <laughs> Uh, which brings us to your sense of humor. It's not something you expect to see often in black metal or Crowley and LaVey aside, much in occultism per se. Yeah, that's one of the most uh, misunderstood things, and I actually embrace that side of ours. One probably should understand that I come from this uh, region in Finland called Savonia, and uh, it's uh, eastern near the border of Russia, and uh, the, my kind of mentality is pretty common there that uh, there is actually a saying going uh, in the Savonian region that you never cannot trust a Savonian person because you don't understand what he's saying. They actually never lie. They never lie, but they use excessive amount of words to describe simpler things. And they're most of the time, they're very good uh, trade trade and salesmen and con artists and, you know, that kind of uh, persons. But anyway, it's sort of a black comedy, dark humor infused part of the Finland and they have this own accent it's very if you compare to the American landscape for it it's like a Texas of Finland with the accent uh, everybody knows in Finland if you speak with that accent that Savonian dialect that you are okay you are from Kuopio you are from Savonia but anyway this is the kind of thing that I grew up in and uh, we joke a lot I joke a lot but despite of that deep down myself but also these Savonian people they are very melancholic they are actually very dark people and sort of easygoing a little bit what's the word English is not my first language so I'm looking for the word make it not so heavy not so burdenous the dark existence so they blow some steams using comedy black humor actually and dark humor and they make fun of each other they make fun of the establishment they make fun of religions and so on and okay i don't live anymore in the savonian regions like 10 years ago i moved away from there because it's a tough place to work with extreme music and i found found more career opportunities down here in south but this kind of mentality is something that basically almost everybody outside of Finland and in elsewhere in Finland itself, people misunderstand, missee or oversee this and they forget about it because they, we are saying that we are from Tampere because the King Satan Band was founded in Tampere, Finland, even though we none of us are actually from Tampere. We just met there. Right. But so what you are saying, what uh, this thing that we represent there is a sort of sort of a given myth of myth of a given, if you will. We don't pay attention to it much more. We just let things go as they are. And there are, you know, King Satan's message is actually very, very melancholic, if you will, also. Mm. But it's also also um, fully devoted to the this kind of left hand path, chaos magic version of Satanism, and uh, to represent this 
this with uh, this kind of music we just want to work with the idea that there are no rules we just uh, explore the ways with uh, taking the things over the top and sort of uh, embracing the left hand pad Uh, the one of the traditions where clowning is uh, actually a big part of it, uh, you know, clowning uh, in the sense that uh, I'm not sure if clowning is the right word here, gestering, jokering, but uh, clowning in, in the way that uh, we ridicule the boundaries and morals of the, the, each current society. Right. And for that means we do need to push the so-called uh, nerves buttons that are are not, uh, which which are allowed. Basically, we push the buttons and of the norms and we embrace the taboos and things that are seen as a sensitive subjects. And because they are the breaking points, they are the edge and the boundaries of the societal moral code and way of seeing things. And with this kind of a cloning, taking things over the top, we use it as a sort of rebellious mean to do that. And this way uh, like in the uh, ancient left hand pad philosophy not not the western version but the which, which goes to the india uh, the vamakara it was like this that uh, there were mystery schools dedicated for this that you have to do these kind of things in order to boost yourself outside of the society by breaking yourself and your own ties to the society and therefore you can actually see what the society made you think and made you see And now you can be in a real and your connection with yourself. But yeah, this one is pretty much dedicated with ourselves at this point. I don't know where King Seven will go from now on, but there were extreme frustration and extreme existential anguish lying around unanswered, which I couldn't answer to the with my other bands I worked before. So we embraced this kind of version and all of the, especially me, I'm a kind of, a, well, you see here the Savonian aspect of me. I speak very much. Maybe there is something there that I'm actually <laughs> meaning also, but this comes natural to me. I wanted to reconnect with the truest and most a natural form of my expression and with the black metal bands with the Saturnian mist for instance of course I it's a true uh, version of my expression but it's a whole another side of it it's much more uh, mysticism oriented than playing with what's the word in English deep esotericism <laughs> but uh, of course let's the Savonian aspects aside you can continue asking things maybe this answers something to you the idea of bringing back humor outside of Crowley and LaVey where people that were are notable for this even Lucian Greaves and that whole satanic temple thing outside of that this po-face seriousness it's really strange because it's life is better served with a smirk we're all in something of a grand cosmic joke here yeah that's actually if you take a look of the Lavey and stuff of course they were done done a little bit with a tongue tongue in the cheek over the top atmosphere but it it was like uh, you know purpose of the ritual is to enact uh, exaggerate of your inner feelings into the ritual enactment form in order that uh, you can present this idea to each other because we are very abstract concepts we as a personalities we humans and if you want to represent our ideas we need to take it over the top in the sort of love and way of course when you look at the uh, love and images with the you know plastic horns and all that uh, kind of thing it's it looks uh, very really silly for the people at first glance but, but when you start to dig in you start to make sense of it and it's very weird that uh, i i agree with your point there i meet um, many love and satanists And they take it way too serious, you know. To and the... he didn't. That's the best part. 
<laughs> yeah, and he, even he was a serious, you know. That that's uh, that's the kind of thing when it comes to the Crowley also that um, you know. And this is my myth of the given that as a Savonian person, I understand by my birthright. But the Crowley also was a he was a joker, all right? Exactly. Yes. Uh, and he he was a fool. He was a fool, but he was not an idiot, you know. Mm-hmm. He exactly know what he said and what he meant, but he somehow managed to keep sort of an ironic uh, distance from the things. But uh, same time, he took it absolutely dead serious, and exactly. he had this will. And this is the similar thing, which I think. Okay, granted, I, I have a massive respect for the Levine Satanism, but I don't identify myself as a Levine Satanist. It's much more uh, deeper and goes other way around, but more into the Crowleyan, yeah. yeah. But anyway. So let's go back to the basics from the macrocosm and drill down to the microcosm, as it were, as above, so below. First, let's discuss the state of black metal in general. I mean, personally, I had given up on it after considering myself primarily a black metaler since really discovering what I had missed out in the prior decade, right at the dawn of the millennium. Around 2000, 2001, I discovered all the stuff that I missed in the 90s. And it wasn't really the new stuff at that time, which I believe was mired down all that symphonic nonsense and even for more of a broad appeal among the metal scene, which was really kind of weird at principle. But, you know, I immersed myself in all those old demos, all the old albums, and I was really into this stuff, right? But the new stuff, eh. And I started reviewing professionally down the road, and I started discovering things that seemed different from what I was used to. But there was so much crap in there, too. So many bands that just found another relatively big name act and kind of swiped their image and their style wholesale. It was like every band seemed to want to be Watain or Gallagher or Gorgoroth or maybe more Duke. It got kind of tedious. So, we've talked this offline in the past. I believe you refer to this phenomenon as aesthetic Satanists. What is it with yeah. all the, these fakers, these poser types who just swipe an image, a few lines in Hebrew or what have you, and decide they're so evil? It's comical. Why do you think we're seeing so much of that? Well, first of all, I need to say, I think you established it in the introduction, but the King Satan, for instance, it's not a black metal band, it's an yeah. industrial metal band. I want to make a real separate from that scene, even we take influences from there. But then, also, I still have a black metal band uh, we actually just two days ago we finished our third album after five years working as uh, saturnian mister it's still active but uh, not so active as uh, it used to be because uh, king satan takes all most of my time but anyway this said i still have a strong strong uh, presence in the black metal scene not uh, not in the most active way because I sold the record label. But uh, as an ex-record label guy, you know, running Saturnal Records when I was there, I remember thinking that, uh, well, I fucking English. Uh, (laughs) I remember uh, when I was getting the demos, I get so many wonderfully produced demos that has uh, energy, that has a proper sound and proper vocals and lyrics were like by the book of black metal lyrics. But the most of it they they were aesthetically like you know by the book versions yeah. of how brilliant black metal albums should be but they lack it of the magic they Bingo. lack it of some edge that they should have and then i started remembering uh, well look at the dark drones a place in the northern sky when they made that album and the story goes and when they presented it to the peace will or whatever label they were on that time even the record label was like what the fuck are you doing you got the record deal what is this sound what are you doing and they were really you know pushing the boundaries and same 
same goes with uh, basically it's not only a black metal i think it's in every subculture and culture there some pioneers they invent something and then there comes the copycats for reflected glory and for instance uh, what i hit the gold mine with their style and of course they will uh, get the copycats thereafter and basically you know I actually know many of the black metal who use who you could say are legends. Mm-hmm. Uh, personally, like a good friend of mine uh, from Baratrum. I don't know if you know the band. Yes. Uh, the Mr. Demonosova. He told me that when they started in the 90s, they did the demos. They make their first albums. It was so hard for them. Nobody wanted them to play anywhere. Not the magazines. Not the shows. And, and you know, satanic panic stuff and so on. And the sounds were so extreme. And then he told that uh, it was like end of the 90s when they really got their break. And they did the things in the early 90s and end of the 80s that was the real pioneering spirit they were actually working with this extreme means of self-expression and ideological message back then and they didn't give a fuck about the response or aesthetics of uh, that much uh, you know and now you form a black metal band you form an industrial metal band you form a dead metal band most of the bands there they just uh, copycat the things that uh, are already proven right they are not bad bands you know they probably do it like with such because I got the demos wanted to be signed they were actually very good demos but they lacked the same magic like in a place in the northern sky in dark throne the sounds they are not awful but they are you know not in the technical sense they are not a pro studio sound but that's also one thing that people forgot that bad sound isn't much of distortion and so on it's just if it reflects the message and the feeling there then it's a good sound even if it would be like a Vlad Tepes Black Legion's sound of style but but think about Black Legions you you know Vlad Tepes and I don't know how to pronounce it you know the French ones Yes. think about those some Jöteborg dead metal sounds they would be fucking awesome. <laughs> That's exactly right, because I'll second that. I'm not talking about musical skill here or production quality, but it is about something vital that is missing from a lot of these bands. So Yeah, and actually my friend summarized very good. Actually, the driver of our King Satan band they summarized very good the problem of uh, modern black metal, that everybody wants black metal to evolve, everybody wants new things to arise, and when that happens, everybody will hate it, because it's not true black metal, that's the kind of, uh, <laughs> you know. That's true. Uh, but uh, there's still, still a very very good things are coming, and of course, there's, um, I, I don't tell the whole genre is uh, bad, it's, uh, it's not a very unique problem with black metal, it's a problem in all genres, there are always good things coming when people stay honest to themselves, and so on. Yeah, I've actually seen a lot more this last year or two than I've seen in probably a decade, so it says a lot. And yet, it seems that the Finnish black metal scene in particular often kind of manages to stand out from the pack, musically and in other respects. So let's talk about that for a minute. The Finnish black metal scene as a whole tends to come off melodic in feel, but abrasive at the same time, anthemic, powerful, at the same time bearing a very old-school second-wave sound. So what do you think it is about Finland that brings that out? It's funny thing that people ask me about expert opinions about black metal, but I don't really understand what makes things good or bad because uh, I tend to concentrate this magic aspect I most of the things I like and I understand where their power comes from they comes from these uh, same things that uh, which made made the dark thrones a blaze in the northern sky or Baratrum's early works and of course the later works magical they has real substance in it and I don't really know how it comes separately uh, how it is different from any any country's soundscapes but uh, one thing that uh, actually in Finland could explain it this black 
black metal sound that Horna, for instance, made famous. It's the kind of a melancholical and angry version. Both there is a deep hatred and melancholy there, and in most of the Finnish band, not only in black metal, also in dead metal, like Insomnium, for instance. But um, it's it's rather unique the combination of the anger and and the melancholy, and I think that's a sort of a cultural reflection if you take consideration of the history of Finland that we live here in the dark and cold in between two big powers, nations who try to invade us and it's hard to survive and it passes on the generation to generation. We are very fierce people but also very melancholic about the, the surroundings here and Finnish heavy metal, extreme metal reflects and also our pop culture. You know, I actually used to live in Netherlands for making videos a few years ago and I remember when I when we were at the, my workplace and they wanted to my colleagues they wanted to hear Finnish pop music I played to them Finnish pop music and pop rock uh, which was uh, very uh, popular here and they were like wow play something that is popular I'm like <laughs> yeah this is this is popular what the fuck and they were this is so sad this is so dark this is so melancholy in my ears that wasn't I that was a cheerful thing for me but um, <laughs> you know they were like sad chord minor minor chords basically everything and then they played me in Netherlands the pop music of the Netherlands and they were like uh, what the fuck I'm in a psychotic you know breakdown this is too happy this is too cheerful this same thing goes to the wherever I go traveling and representing the Finnish musical culture they have this sort of uh, angry melancholy or melancholical anger if you will and maybe this emanates to the black metal as well this seems also marked by some fairly controversial figures like Mika from Appeal Nazarene Lori aka Satanic Warmaster Mika Satanaki of Azazel part-time porn star Miko of Clandestine Blaze and yet you seem to have steered clear of all that when you were running Saturnal and in your own band the most I picked up is a general appreciation of Nietzsche which not only do we share but it's endemic to at least Levian philosophic actually did you know that I used to play in Azazel really? In the debut album, Jesus Perversions. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I, I used to live in the next door of Satanakia, Mika, and uh, we just went there, uh, you know, drinking freeze, what's the word, you know, drank like a week in half, and then he asked me if I want to come to play bass to Azazel, and then I said, why not? I played for the album, I played a few shows, but uh, then Sat- was before actually Saturnian Mist started getting recognition, so I, I left the band after Saturnian Mist got bigger, but uh, still many people gets very up confused that I was in uh, Azazel for various reasons, but um, Satanakia, he's, uh, he's totally lunatic. He's uh, like everything you imagine him to be, but uh, I love that guy. He's a fucking amazing and truly insane person. And But uh, your your original question was uh, that kind of, how did uh, we stay out of uh, controversy? Basically with Saturnian Mist, like I said earlier, that it's a little bit a different thing with my expression. It's, a, it's not a basically a metaphor when I say it. it's a sort of a cabal for occult and mysticism working. We started the band actually to be sort of a esoteric lodge kind of thing, and we draw the inspiration from the exploration of mystic things. And it was basically, you know, albums, they were arranged uh, according to some uh, ritual patterns, and it was much more abstract and metaphysical version of occultism, and it wasn't really inspired by Finnish mythology alone. It was inspired by various mythologies from voodoo to Kabbalah and Hinduism 
and so on. Besides, of course, the more modern versions of the occultism and Satanism. But it at some point it actually got. I was very amused because it got during our times of our debut album. It got sort of labeled as an intellectual black metal. <laughs> Have you <laughs> heard the album? Man, it's like a, okay. Of course, uh, we and I write about things that might be perceived as a intellectual, and of course, I have done my homework when it yeah. comes to this. But but for me, the black metal is musically for especially it's just an expression of your primordial version of you, you who tries to communicate with these things that are supposed to cognitively map the world around you and maybe from this coalition uh, will be born some kind of uh, insightful enlightenment about the nature. It's a very, very, very much more abstract thing with the Saturnia Mist and it actually took like uh, when we made the debut EP Repellings and when we made the debut album Nastika Hashaitan, they didn't get much attention then and when we, right before we made the Chaos Magic, it, earlier works were getting recognition and when we made the chaos magic we did it actually in very good timing but still most of the people who did not get that album then they get it now it's basically with everything i do people always always misunderstand it for a few years first and then okay granted the chaos magic was that way with candlelight records released it and timing was right and we got lots of good shows and good album hype but it wasn't really a controversy kind of thing we never embraced the controversial side with the saturnia mist it uh, somehow ended up being into more artistic, archy, archy version of a black metal. Even it was a very primordial and violent version, like with lots of death metal in- influences there. I don't know if it's if it's because of that, but many of those bands you told earlier they work at the black metal the other way around. I actually the things uh, the most controversy with Saturnia Mist. Of course, there were things which caused some controversy with Saturnia Mist, but uh, they were very local local ones and I threw a bottle to some person in a concert and then now uh, I was they wanted to charge me with the attempt of manslaughter and these kind of things but they were very pretty small and very local ones but with this king say then uh, I actually didn't mean it to be controversial and it, it turned out out to be with the King, King Satan we we work uh, we faced a lot of controversy and actually I well uh, of course now I see back our works I should have seen it coming you know <laughs> well you're rubbing it in their faces with the band name itself <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's surreal. I'm still processing about the whole path of King Satan because it's been basically two years. Okay, I found it in 2015, but most intense work, and we just released a new album, and the first album came two years ago. But this whole two years, it it has been like a roller coaster of things happening all the time, and I feel feel like it it has been like one or two months. I don't understand that time has gone so fast <laughs> when we're working. So I'm still processing it, and I'm actually, you know, as a person, as uh, well, if you want to make a separation with the King Satan and Saturnia Mist. King Satan is a reflection of my ego and my personality but Saturnia Mist is a reflection of my soul. Of course they both reflect each other but the key main focal focus point in these bands are a little bit different. They basically the themes and the concepts and everything I, I speak they are the same things but as a creative lyricist and artist I want to explore the means how I represent these ideas to the other people and for this I found kind of a King Satan I wanted to reach people 
that I don't reach with black metal. And this is this is starting to be very amusing at this point because I thought, you know, the band name being King Satan at this 2019, it wouldn't be anymore, you know, like a shock value kind of thing. But what the fuck, <laughs> especially outside of Finland. And yeah, in America, I remember when we made this Satanized music video and there were, I don't remember at this point what was it, but some religious group there really made an effort for YouTube and the label to shut down the video because it included Demon Spell there and it destroys basically everybody who listed. Come on, this is 2020. <laughs> and, but I think Finland is very anti-Christian sort of. It is a Christian country, but it's, what's the word, a habitual Christianity here mostly. It's a very atheistic actually and very liberal this way and it's not causing so so much controversy the aspect of Satan here if you compare it how it does in the mainland Europe. We Especially in the southern Germany there were actually when we 2018 when we were there with our first European tour some of the venues refused our booking because they said in southern Germany this is a true story band named King Satan is not well Welcome to our great Christian county and club. We are great Christian people and we do everything to stop King Satan performing here. And they spread the word to some other southern Germany and southern Rome Italian places as well. And it was actually kind of a... Of course, you are a bar owner. You have all all the right to choose who who you take to play play there. And of course, if that would have happened, they were not so good Christians, if you know what I mean. Yeah, we have mentioned a couple of these people that I think influence your thought and a lot of occult thought, honestly. And it's funny how LeVay has suddenly sort of become this, quote, humanist among satanic thinkers and groups. I mean, I'm sure he'd have laughed at that. It's like when I hear these kids disdain nowadays towards Crowley, practically call him Christian. You know, you think about it, there'd be no modern occult without him, from Wicker with Gerald Gardner and by extension Sanders and the British School of the Farers draw heavily from him to chaos magic, which took his, what I always call the grand unification of esoteric studies that he had done and his streamlined approach to magical study and kind of ran with it. I mean, can you picture some of these YouTube kids trying to work all the details and requirements of old school ceremonial magic? So it's a bit odd how the Hoy Polish perspective has shifted in such strange corners. It's very much like we were talking about earlier, image over substance, pose over reality. So why do you think people are so lost on these subjects? Well, let's make a music analog of it for many youngsters. They don't appreciate, for instance, Venom's black metal album. This is not black metal. What the fuck? This is completely whatever. But uh, you gotta understand without Venom, a word would be much different when it comes to the black metal. And they, the cultural context gets lost, I think, with the new people who get introduced uh, with the LaVey. And of course, granted, it was LaVey used shock value. I agree with some of the point that the Satan as a mere symbol is only like one quarter of the truth. That's yes. why I don't... That's why I don't regard myself as a lover, but I don't underline this idea that love is something to be avoided. Actually, I think everybody who is into the modern occultism or occultism in general or want to understand the emphasis of the archetypes of the devil should read Lavain book or books without him actually the elevating aspect for the satanism. Uh, Lavey also posed the questions, and this is what modern black metal and all the extreme artists, uh, even if they are thinking, what? What 
Satan means to me, they owe a lot that for Lavo that they even think about it. He was the push to make things move in the popular culture way, but of course he came after Crowley, and uh, I think when you, Crowley was also very adamant, positive about the archetype of the devil, and without Nietzsche wouldn't be Crowley. It's like everything builds cumulatively, is yes, that the word? Exactly. Fucking my accent there. On the top of the other achievements and that's why to cut cut something out of it without understanding its meaning it's a sort of fool's errand but of course it should be like this somebody or something gives a bush bird of something and the people who continues they can take it further if they found errors in the earlier way oh, yeah. uh, you you fix it but you know you don't always have to invent the wheel again do you know what i mean exactly and it also feels like by pulling these pieces out of the history if you will or your education you're missing something that's vital. You earlier said that there are like aesthetic satanists and that's also, you know, black metal is very popular these days and of course there are fucking posers there and there who takes their ideology from the black metal lyrics alone. It's not necessarily the worst thing if it uh, is a push to something else to towards to yourself that it gives the first push to you to think and search and live uh, things uh, develop things your own but most of the hardcore devil worship satan worship hastic satanist bands when they say they dish about love i actually understand them and i agree most of the dishing points of theirs but uh, the dissers there they understand where it comes from from they understand the lineage which led there But the people who who reads these things, they don't understand the lineage and they jump right into the, ah, love is something to be avoided, love is blah, blah, blah. It's similar to the idea of Venom's not real black metal. You should have been there in the 80s. But of course, uh, if Venom would have come now, it would be not seen as a black metal part of it. It's like a what if, what if, what if, could, yeah, you can't chase the past. You just, it's every, everything is in a constant motion, developing towards to another forms, not necessarily better forms, but at least uh, another forms. This took place if you already had sold off Saturnal to concentrate on the bands, but this whole issue of PayPal suddenly dropping service to labels like Saturnal and Moribund, for example, and I'm also hearing kids starting to call out other distros in the hope that this will spread even further. You condemning and attempting to shame or close down any business who holds even one or two acts that somebody this week has taken issue to. Quashing free speech and those you support could be the next one, but nobody thinks a half a step ahead. I don't understand this Lovecraftian degeneration that we're seeing in society, except to say it's hard not to notice that we've tripped like fantastic straight into the Kali Yuga it's pretty hard not to notice that we are even though I don't think this is the way he intended it to be we're just seeing Crowley's Aeon before us Yeah, that's the lack of concentration. What these days comes with the everything is happening so fast. Everything yeah. is happening with a small timeline, and that was actually something what was described to be in a Kaliuga kind of yes. thing. Uh, it's it's funny. I'm a prisoner, of course, of my own physical history, this reincarnation, so I can know how people thought and how people saw things like uh, 200 years ago. Uh, but uh, there is actually a funny story uh, when I read one book about cooking books. You know, development of cooking books. I know it sounds pretty unrelated to this, but it is related to this. Uh, I read this story about the development of uh, cooking books, and it went generations and generations back when they started making cooking books in Finland, and they had to describe the whole process of making certain food very accurately. You know, what equipment to use, what temperature, temperature. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <coughs> temperature. Temper- temp- yeah, yeah, temperature. <laughs> 
temperature you use, in what order you put the ingredients and how long it should be there. You know, very accurate, very detail-oriented way to tell some rows to mate and so on. Okay, then the people learn to do that. One generation passes, they make another version of this new edit of this cookbook, and they figure people already know the temperature, they know the order, they are not stupid, let's uh, remove this from this edition. Okay, and still the next generation, they understood, they remembered, because their parents taught how to do it. So they they could take it orders uh, instructions away a little bit and still the result would be the same. Uh, one generation passes again and they do this again. Uh, yeah, of course you know that uh, you use this kind of kettle and this kind of and that you don't need to mention this. People are not stupid. Let's take it a little bit off there and and they continue at this fashion. Do you understand what I'm saying there? The the development another edition for another generation. It took granted that current generation knows something and they can remove it from the instructions and five generations passes and there was very strict instructions to make this certain roast um, soap. I don't know the word for English, but and then they presented it to the new generation. They didn't know how to do it. They make it all wrong. You know, only five <laughs> generations and the idea how to make this simple roast meal was lost through translations only in five and I could remember wrong it could be only four it was very short timeline and now think about the For instance, uh, this gives an idea about the concept of God. You know, if you are, you know, read the mythologies and they make the rituals and prayers, which are sort of as simplified thought patterns to get into the mindset to understand the God. And when you are doing this kind of thing, if cookbooks lose their meaning in four or five generations, how does the concept of God, how they, these people understood something uh, deeper, existential, uh, mystical, get lost when uh, passed on the generations? And this also comes to the point that related to your question that how things um, people are now for instance getting upset of things much easier as it seems but actually I don't think that's completely true I think the people like you know boomers and uh, Older than that, they were just as upset of things they get butthurt of very easily, but they <laughs> didn't have this instant means to express their butthurtness like we have now in social media and internet. So basically, people were probably thinking much more extreme things and get much more extremely butthurt about smaller things back in the days. But usually you sit in your corner, Bob, and tell about this. Oh, fun, that fucking guy did that again. Can you believe it? <laughs> I, he's a fucking idiot. Yeah, fuck. And it stays there. But now you don't go to corner, Bob. You go to the Instagram. You go to the Twitter and shout it to the world. And then some people read it wrong from the hashtags. It says me too, me too. And whole cultural panic starts. Yeah. Uh, and this is the sad thing for a region because there are actually real issues and real victims and real uh, things that should get attention. But oh, yeah. uh, it gets you know avalanche yeah about the Saturnal Records thing I just actually learned that I don't know too much about what has happened but I, I feel for the guys of course if yeah. this is happening uh, taking of your money and I don't know all the facts at this point but I'm still with the friends with the owner good friend actually the current owner of course and it's funny too because your answer it was almost like you were describing how things have moved from let's say ceremonial magic down to chaos magic and yet it also with 
the end result makes me wonder where to next. You know, how simplified is it going to get? Is this still going to work as a system for people that aren't capable of apprehending a system? Well, actually, you know, with the King Satan's lyrics, I established this sort of paradigm for spiritual anarchy, which is also a, a reflection of chaos magic. And I think a spiritual anarchy is at best also one of the keywords to understand chaos magic as well. Chaos magic at best, it's sort of chaos magic. It's very advanced in a point, but for not advanced mind goes into the chaos magic. He could not, he or she could not uh, take a grasp of anything. You know, it's like uh, unbottled gas, like I say in the magic. Yes. It's chaos magic lyrics. And that's why you should learn some symbolic system, which is not so abstract. And there are actually many of those things uh, available. And I think chaos magics for newbies, if you will, will serve a point of reference. That's why I like to use names and uh, concepts and paradigms of already older traditions, you know, to point the direction with this case magic principle to the places that which tells the same thing from its symbolic function inside of the symbolic function. And therefore, I think it's sort of spiritual anarchistic kind of thing when it comes after the advanced things that you like with the spiritual anarchy kind of thing, thinking it's sort of it's not an end game. It's like a Nietzsche but put it. It's sort of a re-evaluation of all the values and norms as self-value. You know, it's a sort of a same thing that I told you about the left-hand pattern method we are using here that desecrate, blaspheme, and, you know, destroy everything that there are to be destroyed left so you will probably find a new path. And I emphasize this way that probably you will find a path. But nobody will know, of course, if it's in general, it's a good bad. You, of course, would could realize that what the fuck is led on the only to the destruction of everything, and not only me, but also uh, concepts around me. But uh, then it was meant to be. I am sort of a fatalist here, not in a poetic justice sense, but you know, I don't think uh, humanity is the end game either. If you yeah, speaking of being fatalist, I was thinking along the lines that there's no denying that what we're seeing is the ascendance of the crown, the conquering child. I mean, people have given free reign and control over to their insatiable id with a child's uncomprehending voraciousness and demands for instant gratification with no real eye towards consequences. You know, go ahead, jump. The fool card of the tarot, the magician is fool, but most in a naive way. They aren't even aware, which actually you referenced fairly directly in the last album's lyrics. The best slave is the one who doesn't realize it yet. Yeah. Yeah, it actually, you know, when you look at the history of the, you know, mystic esoteric schools, Jesus of uh, Nazareth, or at least the image of it, uh, what is represented to us was sort of, how do you say, start of a new paradigm. Before yes. that, you look very, very old occult and esoteric uh, schools. It was like a very old school kind of thing. You go to the master who, you know, Mr. Miyagi kind of master <laughs> who makes you do all city works. You arise ladder by ladder. You do, you know, very old school way, master and student kind of thing and when you are ready your master tells you are ready and then you move on right. it was like you did all the steps like they were supposed to happen but after the mythology of christianity and especially the esoteric mythology of christianity which of course buddhas and zarathustras and these also were pioneering for this kind of thinking but then it was like that the whole culture whole development of this esoteric spiritual culture was did this Mr. Miyagi thing step by step to the 
place where which arrived to the sort of uh, coalition of symbols which were supposed to be perfect human beings, enlightened human beings. And after that, it was similar actually with the cookbook example. New people continued from there, from the top, and they were they didn't understand how they got into the top. They were born to the top, and nothing works like they used to be because they didn't themselves walk the ladder step by step like the earlier tradi- traditions. And I think this explains the religious uh, fundamentalism in all over the world after that because the whole confusion happened. Do you understand what I'm saying? Is this yeah. too uh, abstract? Okay. No, not really. I know most of most of people probably. Ah, well, uh, this is very good dialogue between us. I'm nice to get you in and so on. Anyway, so this all the forms like chaos magic and these kind of things are are sort of rebellious act for this. Of course, before that there were I think Crowley, Alastair Crowley was sort of using this chaos magic method, even he was yes. not chaos magic. And this is also a problem with these people who get born to the highest ladder, highest step without walking the earlier steps. They don't. I feel this with many people I discuss things. They don't see. They get uh, fixated on the details, the terms. You know, they don't understand that the words are symbols as much as any picture. They include uh, connotations to references to a whole lot of traditions and ways of experiencing things, feeling things and so on. And this is the problem with them. If you don't you don't see past this, then you don't never understand chaos magic. You don't actually understand occultism or mysticism for that matter, because it's not really a chaos magician principle. It uh, You can find it from Theosophy, you can find it from Crowley, you can find it from Master Eckhart, from Paracel or these very old medieval occultists and they were fucking badasses you know if you think about controversy the occultists in the medieval who wanted you know oh, yeah. Eliphas Levi, Levi for instance and you mentioned Crowley there what stood out about him to me was he was kind of this grand unification theory of the esoteric especially for that time I mean he introduced serious yogic practice to western tradition he wasn't here before that chaos yeah, magic yeah, yeah. obviously built off his whole life's work was built on the shedding of unnecessary ritual and all the fluff all this hoo-ha that all these different traditions had to get to the point and object of any given ritual or working. So in other words, he's shedding all the crap. Here's the essentials. Here's what you need to get from point A to point B. Bang. But people aren't seeing that nowadays, which is strange. Yeah, and actually you, when you look at the history, Crowley came right after, you know, when the Victorian age was dying, so he was also sort of fucking renegade rock and roll spirit guy. Mm-hmm. When I, I have much admiration for this and this is actually very very deep into my admiration. Crowleyan method, it was actually very similar Crowley method when you take a look after for instance the Dark Thrones method you know when they were doing some something uh, seemingly new things but then Dark Thrones weren't really doing some they didn't need to invent the wheel uh, completely alone and it's I like the pioneering spirit you know it uh, real hard asses are the ones who get the nerve and you know poker face to take a, take it and real a real shame is that I actually in dire in many places in history for instance Uh, Isaac Newton owes a lot to this Haley guy. Without him, Newton's uh, ideas of physics would not be there. That's why I wanted actually to be in a record label business to help those who had no strength or voice to shout it from the roofs. And because most of the genius people, they don't have that and they need a little bit push. But then there are guys like Crowley who don't need that. 
<laughs> so you've actually kind of touched on this a couple of times already, but let's talk about your Jeet Kune Do approach to magic, kind of like Bruce Lee is what I'm getting at. Because at least openly and in lower grades, every tradition, school, or order, they like to pretend they're doing something very different, that their way is special. So how do you see your approach as being different? I don't think my, my method actually is anyway, you know, new or different. I just try to work like I want to be a part of this chain. Like I use the example, if you want to understand the writing process, for instance, the debut album of King Satan, it's like Frederick Nietzsche and Carl Gustav Jung and Alastair Crowley, they are in my head. They are arguing with me. They are arguing with each other. And there is me also. And we are four of us are arguing there while I am also same time arm wrestling with uh, Anton Lavey while we are sitting in the marketplace watching when the word goes by and we in the people who are not related to us. And when you make this whole uh, tradition, all these minds or supposed minds or viewpoints going filtering through me, all this forms a new personality. Persona as a Latin means uh, deliver by voice. And it is kind of a, do you know what I mean? It's an emergent uh, holistic new pattern. And I, I'm not saying that I'm doing anything especially very special compared to the other. I'm just serving another uh, perspective. What separates from this perspective from the others uh, is me. You know, it, these things filter through me and it's um, sort of, I, I like to, for instance, King Satan and with Saturnia Mist, of course, I like to unmystic things, demystify things, because in very Crowleyan sense, especially with the King Satan, uh, when we are, you know, clowning, joking, uh, if you don't get the joke, you are uh, the target of the joke. <laughs> and Yes. And uh, I try to find an alternative way to say this, but uh, I want to spot the posers and I want the posers get get stuff in their head, you know, start uh, working there. And uh, I don't like the, the poser is a trend word now, but you know what I mean, fakes, aesthetic people. And this is sort of thing that I understand the appeal, of course, that's the most. I find it belong to this occult uh, society for a few years called uh, Star of Assassin and I left it too because I wasn't really a theosophist. I, I just knew the guys. I wanted to be supportive there. But anyway, I warned the guys. I They, they didn't ever go there. But I, I warned the guys that you shouldn't make this thing appear way too appealing because the true essence of this uh, real spiritual work. And what I told about, about the ladder example, you don't start the path from the top unless you are willing to go there backwards, you know. And this is actually the reason why I think the satanism and all the left-hand badge kind of movements are getting their roof, getting their room like in this age, because uh, most of the people get born to the highest ladder and they need to go backwards the whole path to understand the path. And this is a sort of, you know, a psychological mean of left-hand path, which is sort of a path of a denial, and which is very much related to the, the spiritual anarchy, which is very much related to this Nietzschean reevaluation of good and evil, every norm and so on. And I think I have come to understanding that the most of the real spiritual work not for everybody, but for most people these days, it comes from, you know, sufferings from something related to the dark stuff, because otherwise you just go on, you don't have to look at yourself. And that's why, okay, yeah, I'm rambling here with the Savonian <laughs> state of mind here. But, you know, I agree, like a Bruce said, uh, you don't pray for easy life, you pray strength for uh, endure this life. And basically all the aesthetic occultists and satanists they get drawn into the you know easy promises and there is actually one word for it it's populism you know look sure. at people who get drawn into populism and for some it could be you know bouncing into the 
better directions. I like populism as a starting point, but uh, as an end game, if it's so, it's really a pseudo intellectual, pseudo satanism, pseudo occult working. It's not really, you know, real occult work. It's between the lines. It's not things that you can actually explain as it is. True. It's imminent. It's something you have to experience. You're putting yourself down a little bit, though, with some of the stuff you said, because I really felt that you had come out when I saw Chaos Magic and saw the lyrics, the book that you gave with it. This is one of the most knowledgeable, if not the most credible acts out there in proper esoteric and occult circles in terms of music, in terms of the black metal scene. And this is in an era where there are hundreds of acts out there that are appropriating this imagery and more or less play acting. It's something that they really aren't, or at least don't properly apprehend or understand with any real depth. And what's worse is that when we do see a band who hits the mark, they fall into a devotional extremism like John Notebite of Dissection, or more poignantly maybe, Selim Lamucci in The Devil's Blood. He certainly got it in an imminent sense, especially as he progressed from the demo and come reap all the way to the supposedly unfinished Tabula Rasa were amazing and terrifying and the closest I've seen to your own understanding of true will and the ultimate aim of magic. I'd almost suggest upending all the cautions of initiatory occultism and its grades and drop newcomers in on the more terrifying parts of Libra Alvel Legis and the vision and the voice. I think it was the 14th ether where the angel delivers the proclamation. Verily the pyramid is a temple of initiation. Verily also it is a tomb. And again, 50 are the gates of understanding in the name of everyone is deaf. I mean, I don't think people get the whole communion with one's holy garden angel thing. It works. Who cares why? And don't count the cost, if you will. Worshiping God of forces, as Revelation would have it. Yeah. Well, this is very much related to this thing that there are lots of traditions, there are lots of uh, symbolic systems, and when you stumble, especially at the day of, of uh, internet, you can Google everything, what every band told, and you get a flood of different methods. And it, this is very, very much related to the that I missed the old school approach where you start with. I actually did the old school approach, sort of. Uh, I learned a tradition by one. I didn't start to embrace chaos magic at once, you know. And I actually know from this that the and I, I use in this context the chaos magic as a metaphor for a whole abstract. Everything is under the same unification kind of thing. That if you, new mind comes across it, and it's very difficult to get a grasp it. Like and uh, uh, it's take your clock again. I get confused about your clock, man. I think uh, I'm in the, entering into psychosis. <laughs> But that, yeah, it has happened a couple of times, but that this is also a sort of, a, you know, I I wanted it to happen and it it's very heavy, heavy for your mind. But anyway, what you said there, I don't know how to react otherwise that I'm admired and appreciated that you see things like that. But that, of course, I, I do things that I think is special, but in the end. No one of us is really special. We are just doing continuum for each other's works. And most uh, narcissistic and most proud people take credit from other people's work without reflecting them. That's why I actually also use in my alter ego in King Satan, King Alastor Satan name, because I want to pay tribute for this mental and spiritual master sort of uh, serving and guiding my way. Because these things, even I like I said, me as a personality there gives it a little bit of a twist into the direction without me it would not go but uh, it's sort of a hubris kind of thing that you should uh, figure out everything by yourself there are many things there are which are discussed about things but you need perspective you need some tradition that you can understand and through which you filter it and you can probably toss that tradition away when but if you really understood it behind the terms behind the symbolic functions you don't toss anything around that becomes your foundation of your temple you can build more ladders to it of 
course, but discussing a bit the occultism, it is sort of what we are talking about here. I get the feeling that we are talking about how uninitiated people perceive the word tradition of the occult, and this is all we always will face the question of populism here. Yeah, true. On the same point, I recently revisited the film Simon King of the Witches, and there was a lot of truth in there. You know, the magician as fool, happily teetering and dancing on the edge of the abyss, and you definitely get this. It's all over Chaos Magic, the album, and in a more simplified and direct manner on the two King Satan albums, especially the new one. So let's talk about the shift. I know quite well how the Tao flows, and you have no choice but to go where the spirit leads, so to speak. But what made you more or less drop or backburner this full-on magical primer that you were doing with Saturnian Mist and its rather amazing videos in favor of the, and this is kind of laughing, lighter approach and more basic delivery of the same core messages in this more dance industrial milieu with King Satan? Uh, yeah, will, of course I will do things that I like and I, I started King Satan. I wanted ever since I was like nine years old, I started making electric music back then actually but uh, it was rubbish of course <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, then uh, I, I found metal extreme metal I started making extreme metal I always had this dream in because I always listened to electro based music industrial and so on And but I never got the time for it but when I had an own studio where I worked I off hours when I had no productions otherwise I started you know ah, fuck I'm 25 I'm 26 years old if I want to fulfill this dream of making electro based extreme music I need to do it now I had no idea how to do it so I started studying I started making and then two years after that or one year after that I made the King Satan's album and it's a reflection of the musical side which I adore I like sort of splatter and combination of uh, esoteric symbolism for instance I like uh, you know do you know book uh, Master and Margarita yes. by Mihal Bulgakov. Yeah, that's like an all-time favorite book of mine. Probably that has inspired my worldview more than any Crowley or anything like that. <laughs> But uh, it's it's uh, I, I I see it very very closely related to, to for instance uh, so this Joker aspect of the Crowley and uh, I I remember before going into King Satan I'm reading like uh, Master and Margarita you know this amazing scene where they are in the theater uh, Voland is in the theater having a show full of black magic and he okay this is spoiler alert if somebody had not ready to <laughs> turn your ears away but. Uh, you are in this theater, Voland has arranged this um, black magic show and normal everyday people comes, you know, who had no idea about black magic or anything. They just comes out of curiosity to see the show and they don't know really what to expect. They expect to be entertained, of course. And then uh, Voland is not doing anything else but some tricks, you know, giving free clothes and throwing money there. And people get fucking berserk, like, ah, we get the free clothes, we get the amazing fashion clothes, we get the money, let's go to the stage. And Voland and his entourage is like watching this, this, this is the magic trick. And, you know, you remember what happened after that, when the magic wore off after the show, people were naked, you know, without those clothes and their money were fake. And yep. he he just wanted, he, he just told that, I, I, I just wanted to meet a lot of uh, Moscovian people uh, at once and this was probably very good and I wanted to show themselves to themselves and you know sort of uh, what I told there if you are a part of the joke you don't uh, if you don't understand the joke you are the target You're of the joke of yes exactly yeah. and <laughs> I want. I haven't told told this actually to many many people and many interviews. You know, what was the real real uh, inspiration for King Satan's package? This you probably understand. Uh, 
what I'm saying here, why I'm doing what I'm doing a little bit more. It was a massive inspiration. I wanted to create the same kind of environment with uh, King Satan, and uh, with my music stuff. And of course, it's just a reflection of my likings and my in- interests. The musical side. It was something that I didn't do with it. But I have a big heart for black metal still, and even more so uh, than I used to. I think it's much, much, much more serious based than it was back in the day because five years feels nothing. I feel just much more demented today. But also, uh, I'm pretty extreme personality. I'm pretty flamboyant, if you will. So I figured I wanted to build something that reflects this side of me and combine it to the things that uh, I like. So basically, it's not uh, not that mystery, even it is very mysterious. <laughs> Yeah, it's still pretty heavy for a mainstream audience, even with the whole witch house thing going on lately. So do you find that at least European audiences respond to this more Thrill Kill Cult Electric Hellfire Club approach better? Or was it same differences when you were doing Saturnian Mist? I, actually, I don't really with Saturnian Mist. I just uh, had different approach. I didn't really... It was much more personal, if you will, you know. Uh, basically, they were sort of a diaries and thoughts, you know, of myself I wanted to use as a exploration. And it still is. It's much more personal. I have no... And I had no agenda, you know, to affect to anybody just uh, to do it for the sake of the art and the expression. And if somebody gets it, then I would be very much admired and admired uh, is the wrong word appreciated about it i would appreciate that much and with king satan it's a similar thing uh, i would do it without a real agenda but i figured because uh, you know the example i told you earlier that i'm you know i'm wrestling there with antelave watching the world going by and nietzsche and young and crowley are arguing with me so while we are uh, wrestling there at the you know marketplace and seeing the world going by we see that this is very wrong this is going to the fucking wrong places <laughs> you are doing the wrong things if yes. i have something you know i'd like to i i like it to test out if i can with this concept i i could do it so i i cannot really compare you know the agendas with these two bands i have actually said it out in the open with the king satan that uh, this band is nothing but a conspiracy to make normal people too interested of occult and anarchy and it's a you know the black and i have said it and still uh, some of the people take it as a jo- joke that they are just joking nah, i remember after one show one fan came to me and asked i love your band i love your band but i gotta ask you are you really serious what you're saying you know are you just joking when i'm i'm then i'm saying like okay ah please please don't answer i don't want to know i go away and this is uh you know what i mean i, I can you compare. see that a lot with the mainstream media where they compare everybody to venom where it's like or even something stupid like motley crew and shouted the devil where it's like oh yeah they're, they're just joking it's part of the shtick i'm like well some people are but the other ones are very serious about this and they're, yeah, it's yeah. almost like they're afraid to acknowledge that yeah and this is the kind of thing that we are both. We are joking, but we are serious. As I say in the series of the mind, then of course I'm serious. I'm always joking, even when I, I, go, I mean, fuck, <laughs> I'm always serious, even when I'm joking, especially then. Everyone is, you know, joke is actually a subconscious manifestation of your ontological views. It's the more true side of yourself you don't restrict it's a expression of your shadow consciousness. You, yes. most of the people when they are joking, they are actually telling Down things the truth. they. Yeah, and that's why the king said fools to tell them the truth. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, in the, this is one of the agendas of the king Satan. It is the uh, another agenda is just to 
simply put, to have fun. I enjoy, you know, uh, being out there, partying around, you know, making things extreme, uh, surprising myself. And none of our shows are similar uh, with each other. We just use very much a spontaneous energy uh, inventions. We go with the flow. We are just, uh, I have gathered the persons to the band who works with the same way. We just, uh, we are also in the end, we are in the entertainment business when we are performing to other people. And this is why I also embrace this circus imagery, you know, Carnime stuff. It was in the back in the days, Carney people, they represented weird and occult and mysticism things too. Even they were most of the con artists, you know, but for instance, tarot, tarot cards, they come from there and it developed into the some something else and at this day and age uh, we discussed about earlier there of course we i make the music that i i like and i want to do but uh, since my life circulates you know my interests uh, outside of music circulates around these things of course i will add these things into the making music and so far i have been surprised about the King Satan's reception in one way. Of course, the controversy is huge. We've been saying like uh, to be the best band of the, there is about the new bands and also the worst things happen to music. And we get, uh, you know, from all, all the all the grades and people are actually asking if they can become our disciples. And also we get death threats from, uh, you know, butthurt people. And it's a whole, whole nine years, we get everything. But that, also when I started the band, when I started to making these things, I, even I simplify the things in sort of a prayer form you know like a prayer prayer is uh if you take a look at the tradition of the prayers they are actually including so much of metaphysical dimensions that has been simplified in order that you can get into the mind shape much faster than just uh, repeating the whole fucking spectrum of these metaphysical ideas uh, and so on i wanted sure. to do that with the uh, with the king's and, and uh, i was told When I started King Satan and, and by my friends that, uh, you know, nobody will understand this. This is too, too far, far from most of the people and blah, blah, blah. And I told that I don't want to, what's the word, underestimate the audience. And I would be, because our most of the, we are not the mainstream band. But we are not anymore very underground. We are we are like uh, in the between the gray area between there. We are still underground band, of course, but we are not compared, for instance, with Saturn and Beast King Satan is uh, playing much bigger shows and making actually money with this music. But uh, <laughs> but uh, still, I I feel that we are still underground, and I don't want to be even a mainstream if it means losing losing your own own agenda and own spirit. But anyway, uh, I was warned that people don't understand, and I constantly get amazed and surprised that our fans they actually you know from different backgrounds who are not related for instance to otherwise to occult and mysticism or even black metal they get they they have their own insights from these things they get what we are I'm not of course everybody for most uh, other half people it's only a nice show now nice music uh, very good extreme music and nice vibes and so on but uh, on contrary for my friends warnings it uh, has turned out that uh, many people surprisingly many people get these things And for instance, if you have a, in black metal, if you have an agenda that you want to do blasphemy and you want to do these things, most of the time it's just like a preaching to the choir, you know, it's useless. People know exactly. They think already the same way that you are most of the time. Okay, there are exceptions, of course, you know, that actually goes outside of their comfort zone. But uh, with King Satan, it just proves the point that which I told that none of us is really special or we are all special. We all have, we all think these things, they're basic of occultism, mysticism, whatever you want to call it. It's very similar to the genuine existential anguish we everybody are having trying to find out the means and questions for it. So that's why I find it uh, very rewarding that I actually can spread the word. <laughs> you know what I mean? So here's one for you, which he sort of addressed obliquely.
Weekly and Cyanosis and Psychosatomasochism, two different albums. Drugs is a pathway, intentional and directed or not. There's this scene in, I mentioned Simon King of Witches earlier, where he's doing a working and he tells his girlfriend pointedly not to get high while I'm doing this because you're leaving yourself wide open for all sorts of forces. And sure enough, he's successful, but she winds up overdosing and dying. Sex magic is far more powerful and, you know, if you want to say it's safer, be it in charging sigils and implements or just generally working the science of bringing change and conformity to will. And at the very least, it's directed energy. It's not the diffused mouth agape sort of thing that drugs leave one open to. But what do you think about using it as a path? Well, I think, uh, I'm not sure if I this was said by Carlos Castaneda's books or did I read it from, you know, Tool from America, the band uh, Lateralus, you know. I know the pieces fit. It's either the guy from Tool or it's from Castaneda. I don't remember which one said it, but it said very eloquently and I am favor with that. If you use psychedelic drugs in order to boost your spiritual path, the experience you get from that you should devote whole of your life sober after that to get the same experience and then again you can just use again do you know what i mean if you start using it all the time you get you know detour after detour and right. intense experience and you probably get lost yourself i believe there there is something for someone who can get but uh, you know you gotta do the same things it's a uh, it shows the doors at best and you gotta you know find the way yourself after that and if you want to do it again to see another door you should have made to the first door of course ladder what whatever allegory we are using here but do you know what i mean i'm saying that in a very of course uh when i use stuff uh yeah. most of the it's only for recreational use uh, i i don't uh, I, I make a clear distinction between the spiritual path use and recreational too and that's also a one thing where you can spot aesthetic people who who don't uh, who just you use their whatever extreme means as an excuse for spiritual power instead of making the real work it, it depends on the personality of course for some people some people it could be a huge reward some for some people it could be a huge destruction yeah because i was thinking about dmt and how like a lot of users tend to corroborate of course various studies encountering generally hostile outside forces that terrify them and want to do things to them or whatever and it's pretty direct the you know, possession metaphor really you know instant unwanted samadhi and i would think that would be pretty intense and more than a bit dangerous for those who don't have any background for those who be most likely to use it for that respect I'm just gonna drop in like whoa what's this <laughs> yeah it's a very similar problem with this when it comes to the grasping of the idea of the chaos magic you know if you go too far immediately uh yeah. you have nothing to nothing with you really can process the thing you just get amazed of intense experience you know and that intense experience is only a symbolic mask for what it really means and if this is also i know it's a similar thing you don't have to use for drugs that some people get this uh, you know existential massive experiences you know what for instance many people without real uh, symbolic uh, references they think i found god i found god now i'm leaving the spiritual i found faith you know the experience without if you don't have proper tools to tie the experience there you just get lost you know going back to another point that we've kind of touched on several times you identify with or at least speak on the records many times of being primarily a ko yet there's not a lot of discussion of things that are often primary to that like spare or the primacy of sigilization the 80s uk scene of rejection and direct action a lot of what comes across is somewhere between thelema and satanism 
those further along the path of just about any tradition know that all roads lead to the center. I mean, even Zen Buddhism suddenly turns a straight-up ceremonial magic when you get to the higher levels, especially in the Tibetan variant, and Hinduism has at bare minimum the Aghori. Of course, we had mentioned earlier about yogic work and how important that was to Crowley and any form of sex magic. You know, if you don't understand this, you just don't get it. But to less open Ajna, this potent mix that you're delivering of Thalma, Satanism, and chaos magic could seem a bit confused. How do you reconcile all this for those who don't already see it? Well, I'm actually, for a few years, I have developed my own system. I may be published in someday. And this is sort of my pet project, my hobby, hobby if you will. But uh, I... Yeah, it's a work of work in progress. I, I really, you know, uh, ever since I was a very young young kid, I, you know, as a high school, I did taught, made a lectures for teachers about philosophy, purpose of philosophy. I was uh, like 16, 17 years old, and I started that kind of thing. I belong to this one occult society also, and I'm kind of, I see the patterns very easily, you know. Uh, I see behind the lines very easily, and I sort of a, oh, I don't know, I, I don't have the proper symbolic language for it yet, but that's my pet project that I'm developing this sort of symbolic language that could, you know, it, it's a sort of a continuum from Crowley to Chaos Magic through Satanism to this, and I'm tuning through art with Saturnian Mist as well as uh, King Satan, that you can see glimpses of it, and I believe that it will eventually, man, probably when I'm 40 or something, if I'm alive, then uh, because uh, I'm way too rest to be an author, you know. That's why I do music. I use those as a lyricist and poetic expressions to describe the same things. If somebody gets them, he can continue from there. But uh, that's a pretty over-the-top example for it. So is there anything else you want to discuss or promote? I gather you're doing some smaller European-based touring lately, at least with the King Satan material. At this point, well, indeed, this is a funny interview. I already made a few interviews with the King Satan because the album get out, but you wanted to talk about the we knew from long, longer time, so of course I'm glad that you brought up many of the things. You can. At, we played with the King Satan in uh, Hyvinkää like a week ago, and there was one one fan who came to talk to me after that. that he he had absolutely admires King Satan, and he told me that uh, he thinks I mean she. You, you in English, you have he and she. We have Han, only one, you know. We are way ahead of you with this gender thing. Uh, but uh, he told me, she, she, fuck it. Uh, <laughs> she told me that she thinks that uh, King Satan is a continuum of uh, Saturnian Mist's work, exactly continuum that she yeah. followed earlier. And at this point, uh, most of the time, I also, when I'm discussing about King Satan, uh, I end up discussing with Saturnian Mist as well, because that it deals with the same same things. But at this said, uh, I'm at, at the moment, we are promoting King Satan's new album. I want to, you to worship Satan. Of course, more intensely, it was released like three weeks ago, and we are now on the al- in the middle of an album released so tour. There is a um, holiday holiday break now, but we continue next in January, and we just got a new Saturnian Mist album, finally mixed. It's a fucking voyage, man. Five years. Uh, it uh, got this, uh, not only my business with the King Satan, but uh, also there were lots of health problems with uh, other members, so it got delayed, that's why. But um, yeah, we are starting actually to look... Uh, for record label because the, our deal with Candlelight got expired like uh, two years ago. <laughs> At that time, also Spine Farm bought the kind Candlelight record, so it's not the same record label anymore anyway. But uh, yeah, keep your eyes open. Saturnia Mist's third album will be probably, 
hopefully released in 2020 and we are King Satan uh, doing the Finnish tour we are finishing that one and there are now negotiations for actually European appearances as, as well did you see we actually made a from our first European tour in Finland we uh, we have a much more in Scandinavia we have much more hype going on and now with the new record label in Europe as well uh, has started uh, rising his head but uh, when we did the first European tour we had not really you know with this scene we didn't have really much of uh, attention people didn't really know there so we figured out we are young we are fucking up people so let's make a tour and Saturn Records I just sold it and the new owner of Saturn Records paid for the PR campaign and we went into the this European tour which last lasted two and a half weeks and I I actually made with the guys and gals self-documentary a video diary based of that tour did you see it it's a, it's called a clowning is serious business it's 35 minutes diary based thing and that is something that I want to promote because uh, we released it before we signed to this new label and right when we left with Saturnal Records so it really didn't get to promote it anywhere else than our you know immediate uh, most diehard fans but uh, as a big fan of a trash film I assume you are <laughs> you should check it yeah we'd like to see this and everybody who's listening to this if you want to understand you know that soundscape and mindscape of fucking satan's this industrial metal means sex magic and rock and roll kind of thing you should check the document it's in the youtube and of course check our new album i want you to worship satan it's on uh, spotify and actually i one more thing uh, if any american promoter is <laughs> listening to this one if you want a controversy because uh, controversy is the best pr anyway so you get good shows there and good attention there bugas i want to come for america never been in america you know nice. <laughs> then we can meet up you guys do a new york tour <laughs> yeah actually new york is like size of a finland so i think it would be the same you know in a brooklyn in the bronx in the greens and of course i i'd like to see an nhl game you know when i'm there yeah okay all right so glad we finally got together after all this time <laughs> actually yeah uh, you gotta say you are one of my favorite journalists there is because uh you are not a uh, per se music journalist you know you you see the bigger picture and as a lyricist and occultist i think uh, you are a rare breed you know among the your journalists At this age, we refer to the age of Kaliuga. I think it's it's a responsibility of entertainers, you know, to try to keep the flame alive. If we are not really prophets and hero fans, we just uh, this. I feel like it's a people who can see it. And most of the time, at this day and age, the real ones there are, you know, offbeat people, like uh, artists, like a journalist, like a fuck it up writers. And it's their job, you know, to keep the flame alive. I think it's this is very similar to the medieval kind of thing when the occult you know had to hide their own theories into the you know christian mythologies in order to pass it on and because uh, some status quo prevented it to be as it is and i think the flow of information and this current status quo of this age prevents any real occult um, mystic kind of thing to be represented as it is to the public and that's why that's why i'm an artist that's why i admire artistic people whether they were not um, making videos books or journalists so Actually, that was a good answer. You can use that if you record it. <laughs> record it. 
Well, thank you. I do appreciate that because, you know, you don't get enough respect sometimes. Some people do really, they're effusive in their praise. They say, I've never had interviews like this before, but, you know, I love your writing. But you also get all the people that just pointedly ignore you or you're working more or less without pay doing this stuff, which is crazy. Can I ask about that? Because many of my friends, people in Finland, they don't know third eye cinema. But uh, I am pretty sure that your stuff would be taking open arms, you know, especially in Finland and especially especially most of the, you know, in Sweden and Norway and Germany. I try, always try to promote you because there are a rare breed of good journalists there who gets gets the stuff. And that's, that's something that uh, I'm sure here are much people who appreciate it very much. Of course, stay away from Germany. They don't know how to speak English. <laughs> really, it's a, it's, a, it's a weird thing. But the Netherlands, for instance, they, they speak much better English than Finnish people or Scandinavian people. Netherlands is tough tough audience anyway, but language is also a main thing. Which is why I, I kind of, you know, dream of someday that could get America play. Because I, I get the feeling that the, your audience, you people there actually get, understand what our, our lyrics says. Like in uh, Italy or Croatia or Spain or these kind of countries, they don't really understand what we are saying. You know, they get the image, the symbolic kind of thing, but uh, it's an uh, English-speaking audience they understand much much deeper and that's why i hope that someday we get get there ones that have been hanging around forever like what's the paul ledney one uh, profanatica yeah i i actually organized a show for for fanatica here in tampere some then they were i was surprised that they were so old the guys <laughs> <laughs> he's got a beard down to his crotch <laughs> yeah but that is there a, like a You know, in Chicago, this um, industrial scene back in the days, you know, started. I don't remember oh, the yeah, record. Oh, yeah, the whole wax tracks thing. Yeah, 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 wax tracks. Uh, is that uh, something anymore or is, uh, did it die? I think there's a slight bit of that coming back. I'm no thrill kill cults out there trying to tour again. But the fact that they were trying to tour a dive bar by me, that the last show I saw there had 10 people, says a lot. <laughs> Oh, really? It's not what it used to be. I mean, these things are coming back. You know, they were invisible for 20 years, but not like it used to be. I mean, there is a scene. It's just how concentrated is it going to be? You're better off in something like Chicago, New York, Los Angeles than you are, you know, just going out to somewhere in bumfuck Ohio. <laughs> you know, that's always been the case. <laughs> so. uh, my friends band uh, called uh, do you know night stop never heard of them uh, it's a synth wave it's not a black metal or industrial just a synth wave they they played a show in uh, chicago you know one show uh, they just wanted it to be there and it was a success but a very expensive one it wasn't really a business trip <laughs> but uh, it was in the chicago and it was that kind of um, diehard atmosphere there and i kind of uh, You know, this, they're supposed to say that the internet is a uh, savior of underground. I think it's a uh, destruction of underground. It is. You know, uh, in all of its possible meanings, you know, because uh, only the most famous keywords anyway pops out and hides the underground there. And it makes, uh, well, it's actually a good thing. It could make an underground, a uh, real underground again. But uh, I don't I don't know if uh, with this day and age it can survive without, you know, connection to the Internet. You, you talk to my mainstream, they're either going to be talking classic rock from 1974 or whatever the hell, or they're going to be talking hip hop. That's it. It's actually kind of embarrassing. I think that Europe has a better, even though it may be pocketed, a better appreciation of metal per se. And certainly you've integrated it more into your pop scene. Like a lot of metal bands are doing, you know, they're doing Top 40 radio. You won't see that here. That's not going to happen unless it's Bon Jovi or something. 
Yeah, we actually was top 15 with the Fuck Yaga single in Finland. That was surreal, you know. <laughs> Never But, happened uh, here, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, well, Finland, I think New York has like, what, 20 million people, and Finland has 5 million people, so yeah. you can do the math. <laughs> you know who's really big right now is that Satanic Temple under Lucian Greaves, always doing those prankster stunts in the media. They're certainly attracting an audience. There was just recently something where one of their fans was wearing a shirt that said, I worship Satan or I love Satan or something, and a plane actually made her cover it up because someone was offended by it. So this is major headlines over here, right? I'm like, really? Come on. In this day and age. You can use most of them. We had interesting stuff there. So you probably agree with me there with, with the Levin thing. Uh, I remember I was, I think I was 13 years old when I read the Satanic Bible for the first time. And it was actually bummer for me. I, I realized uh, this has nothing to do with the actual Satan. Yeah. So yeah. I, I actually learned to respect uh, LaVey like I was seven, seven, I mean, 20 years old. I didn't understand the cultural concept, you know, of it. I'm actually, you know. Do you know where I got my first uh, epiphany, my first uh, insight about the archetype of the devil? Where? Uh, Plato. Really? From Plato? Wow. Yeah. I was also a 13, 13 years old, and I started, you know, reading very young age because uh, I was a very rascal kid. You know, my parents grounded me for summers, you know, for countryside, you know, go there and you don't get to fight with the authorities where we live. So I had nothing else to do, you know, there than the read and run in the forest and play guitar. So I just read a lot. And, but uh, I remember I read uh, Plato's. Timaios uh, dialogue. I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but it's a Timaios, Tamaios or something. Mm -hmm. And there is this uh, story where Plato refers to this another story from um, some e Egyptian, yes. fit, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, it, Pyramids and that culture. Egypt. I fucking cannot say this word in English. Egyptian priest story about the origin creation of the world. Yeah, yeah, you know it. I've where the absolute tricks Demiurge to create the world. And when Demiurge creates the world, then he realized that Demiurge realized that uh, he, he the world he created wasn't similar that the absolute the God promised to be you know similar to the absolute reality and he gets angry for absolute and he denies the god and he knows that the god there is, is still there but uh, he denies the god and thinks i'm the god of this place i'm only god there is no other god and therefore he was called blind god aka sam samael and this was my first insight about what you know i for some reason i i understood you know um, the archetype before I came into the understanding of the whole concept of the archetype. I realized this is the devil. This is the true devil. This uh, story explains what the, the true devil is in people's mind, how it is a real entity and as well as a symbol. And that was my, my first push towards this. And then I started reading a lot of Friedrich Nietzsche and so You know, for me, I got this experiences of a uh, similar, you know, Diana. No, I'm not pronouncing it right. Yeah, fucking English. <laughs> okay. But uh, experience when I was like 12 years old and I later, like uh, 10 years later, understood what the fuck this was. It. I 
felt things very intensely when I was a kid. And I just, uh, one of the reasons why I started to got interest about these things, because I wanted to understand what the fuck is happening to me, yes. you know. Yeah. And, uh, but actually, on the point of the Lave, I, I actually, I like the, uh, I want to correct this one. I like the Lave's showmanship and over-the-top oh, yeah. uh, she cheek kind of thing, but it's only like a gateway drug, you know. Exactly, it's, it's great the, for what it is, but it only goes so far. Yeah, but uh, I was really bummed when I, after Plato and Nietzsche, I read uh, Lave, I was like, I need to search from somewhere else. And then I found Crowley. Crowley, and I remember Crowley's stuff were like, uh, what the fuck? This is like me drunk when writing diaries, you know? <laughs> I, I felt instant similarity to the, his narrative. And actually, you know, my you referred me in the introduction as uh, King Fucking Satan. That was actually the album's name because I didn't want it to be self-titled. But my alter ego, my pseudonym with the King Satan is uh, King Alistair Satan, right, right. you know. And uh, it comes from... Uh, also, it's a tribute for these obvious reasons. But, uh, you know, my name, my actual bird name is Santo. Right. And uh, it's uh, short for Alexander. Ah. And it's a pet name for that uh, in Finland. And, uh, you know, Alexander Crowley and uh, Santo Alexander and Alastair Kainlainen. Yes. It was, I lived in the Netherlands, like I told you, and there was this uh, new age seer, you know, and a seer, not the oracle, but seer, who, clairvoyant person, uh, and she met me first time. She looked me in the eye and she told me, hey, do you know who is Alastair Crowley? I'm like, yeah, I have heard of it. You are exactly reincarnation of Alastair Crowley's spirit. <laughs> uh, do you know this? Can you see this? And I was like, yeah, because apparently there are so many reincarnations of Alastair Crowley around. <laughs> But I told this to my family and friends. And because of, you know, my, you know, Alistair is a Hebrew equivalent for Alexander. So I told this and it started living as a joke and it's thick. I started referring myself as Alistair after that. And then I actually used the name Alistair way before King said. And, and I also said in one in Saturnia Mist interview, actually, this same story. And I told that, uh, oh, well, I am an reincarnation of Alistair Crowley. If you can deny this, approve otherwise, I offer you a beer. And many people have actually tried. They cannot you know, deny it. They, I cannot prove it, but uh, nobody can deny it really in the real <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah, it's a kind of um, at that point, very young age, like at 13 years old, I was, I felt it lacked spirituality, you know, yeah. and that was um, something I was looking forward to. But uh, it, it seems the same thing happened to me. I learned to respect love in my older age. I'm not very, very much old at the moment anyway. So maybe when I'm 50 or 40 or something like that, I start to, you know, admire Aristotle or something. <laughs> I hope not. Aristotle is like, a, you know, cancer of a whole Western thinking, you know. <laughs> You know the story about the Plato and Aristotle uh, philosophies and when they started forming Christianity and there was this uh, Augustinus and Aquinolainen church fathers. The other one was Aristotelian and another one was Platonian. And of course, the Aristotelian version of Christianity where they take actually the spiritual dimensions as a physical materialistic continuum one because it's simple fucking thing. And of course, the Plato kind of we've lost and, you know, you, we could go back forward. But uh, Aristotle, Aristotle is sort of a form of uh, intellectual populism I despise and I want to offer, you know, Platonian version of a populism <laughs> here with my band first. 
certainly more Dionysian than Apollonian. Well, so I think uh, if you want to really understand okay, the grasp of uh, esoteric mysticism and stuff, you should read the philosophical history, you know, from ancient Greece to not only, because that's also, actually, this is related to the thing we discussed earlier, that people, you know, get want to know occult mysteries right away. But uh, it's like you need to, if you are born into the, for instance, like a pro-Christian culture or you know, pro-Hindu culture or whatever, you need to kind of cognitively remap your own thinking. For that, you need abstract philosophy to get into the bottom of understanding. Uh, some people are lucky. They get they get born with a kind of a environment that they don't have to do with. But for for me, without their understanding of philosophy, I wouldn't understand these things that I'm understanding at this moment, you know. But for instance, our synth player, Kate Boss, I met her first time. Of course, when somebody wants to come to the King's Head and I ask about her, what do you think about Satanism? What do you think about Chaos Magic? What do you think about... <laughs> yeah, Great so, pickup lines of uh, her age. <laughs> yeah. I, I Finnish people are very famous with this small talk anyways. <laughs> So, but anyway, she didn't have background with the real philosophy, you know, ancient Greece and so on. But she just understand these things very, very easily because she comes from more, let's say, pagan background. You know, she didn't have to go. But from I come from a, you know, middle class version of suburb. Actually, not suburb, but whatever forest is sub forest suburb is equivalent for your suburb. <laughs> but uh, my background, my my history, I I had to do the cognitive remapping with the philosophy in order to understand, you know, what is happening for me. So I kind of I've been there in the ocean of meanings that uh, feels familiar, feels things that I'd, I'd like to you know represent, and I understand the fascination of populism as you know. It's a sort of another thing for fanaticism. You just outsource your own thinking for something which has been proven to be alive like more than one generation. That's why populism and fanaticism strives. But that's why if it's not for philosophy, but I, I'm pro, very much pro for this um, Mr. Miyagi kind of method that if you want to really grasp, if you are not a freak of nature, that you can actually, you know, live and make the ideas. You know, this ladder example that you can go backwards and you can choose the ladders to go in which whatever order you want and you end up in the top anyway but that is actually not the true true version and i can tell tell this from experience i've been i was like uh, we discussed off the records there in the email that i was member of this one occult society this was big problem there and this is big problem with the i'm at the moment not a member of anything by the way i chose the path of a real left hand path real pratyeka but i interact with many many societies though but uh, they all say say that they have the same problem there these days that the people want to dive to the deep end right away yeah you know and that's actually a lot of our discussion tonight is the struggle that i personally have and i'm sure that we're all having to some extent with being in this age of post-chaos magic where you know things used to be initiatory for a reason and now that we've rejected a lot of the forms and constructs and the strictures that that brings okay well what now can you just jump into the deep end and you know if you wanted to do that i guess you would be doing a lot of dmt or something and to see where it took you which is not always the uh, the best method i would say so where do you where do you draw the lines where do you find what works and what will take you to to find your true will if you will 
I hear exactly what you're saying. There. That's kind of what we've been saying all night, this balancing act. Yeah, there's actually sort of a theme in this conversation. You know, we should do this again sometime, you know. You maybe, maybe maybe there would be another theme. Actually, you know, I, do you know Joe Rogan's podcasts, you know? I was a little bit thinking about this because uh, it's very weird to discuss to Mike, you know, here and not to look you in the face, you know. But uh, probably it wouldn't be even possible to do it in a... Uh, It's it's not the same with the Skype video, you know. Yeah. But I I a little bit out of my comfort zone here, you know, when I'm not seeing you. I I'm very physical person when it comes to the communication, unless it's a writing. This whole thing that I don't like to talk in the phones. I don't really much like to give interviews this way either because uh, I I like to interact with the person. Voice is part of a body. It's an immaterial part of the body. So I I'd, I'd like to be in contact with the real real physical but for you of course i made this exception and for a couple of others and gotta be honest the other exceptions didn't go too well <laughs> <laughs> well hopefully this uh, one did yeah this is actually this is first recorded i have done in finnish versions about this length about occult yeah, and more serious stuff but never in english how's my english by the way it's actually rather good i mean i've spoken to people that have a much heavier accents or that didn't grasp as much of what i was asking i'm impressed with it you speak very fast and english so sometimes i'm a new yorker that's the problem sorry <laughs> yeah but uh, anyway i think i understand your questions one question eluded me but uh, i realized like in in the second answer what you were asking so <laughs> but anyway very good very good uh, actually yeah the interview like ended 30 minutes ago right yeah and i'm still in the fucking flu you know i cannot handle that internet anymore apparently it's all right there might be some stuff here worth pulling out <laughs> okay very cool i think this will interest many many people and check that check that clowning serious business tour diary it's 35 minutes it's very trash film diary but uh, it's you you get the grasp of the underground scene in mainland you and i wish you a very present saturday or saturnalia or whatever you are yes it's you leave that's it tomorrow yeah all right okay hail satan <laughs> hail take care <laughs>
Sunday night at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Tune in to Third Eye Cinema, your source for in-depth discussion of cult cinema with a focus on film that matters. Cult, grindhouse, drive-in, independent, and underground film from the dawn of the talkies through the early 90s. This is a forum where we explore genre film and music from around the world, in-depth conversation and career analysis with directors, actors, and musicians, and open discussion on films that matter, those that fall outside the mainstream corporate film by boardroom committee. These are the problems of the auteur, the visionary, the dreamer, the outsider. None of that direct that passes for mainstream film these days. This is all about the glory days of independent cinema from all over the world. Any of the hotbeds of obscure, oddball, or generally wild cinema available on DVD from the dawn of the medium to this very day. Join us as we delve deep into the cinematic netherworld here on Third Eye Cinema. Sundays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, on the Big Papa Online Network on Blog Talk Radio. What is At Eye Level? A reductio ad absurd and look at the headlines from politics to pop culture, from the corporate to the individual. Every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern, we take a not-so-serious look at the serious issues of the day. Whether it's politics, economics, social issues, music, or old movies and TV shows, we discuss everything the corporate media overlooks while making you laugh at the absurdity of it all. Hell, you got to have a sense of humor about life. Just look at the headlines. So join me, Matt G. And me, Doc Savage. Every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern as we navigate the sea of trolls, talking points, and trickery. And try to figure out a way to be there when tomorrow comes. At eye level, bringing more to you. Only on the Big Papa Network, on Blog Talk Radio. on Tuesday nights at 6.30 Eastern for an exploration of the many roads and methods which promise to lead us to the ultimate answer, a higher purpose, the meaning of life. I'm just like a lot of you, a middle-aged mom with piles of laundry and a meditation practice. I've been down many roads to get where I am today and my journey is far from finished, but I'd like to share my experience and hard-earned wisdom with you. So what is it about women and spirituality? It seems like we're always the first to try out something new. Christianity was spread in large part by wealthy women. And where would Uncle Al be without a scarlet women? Who is by and far the largest audience of new age alternative spirituality? What is it about us that always has us seeking? And why does it always seem that men tend to take over what we discover? Join us for a dialogue between two long-lost friends representing both the yin and yang aspects of the whole, each of whom have traveled multifarious paths all across the spectrum of spirituality, the dark side and the light, from the organized to the out of the way. This show is for all those frustrated in their quest who've been through various stops on the spectrum of spirituality and found them ultimately unfulfilling. Join us for some hard-earned lessons and thoughts on potential new directions and possible value in what inevitably fails in organized practice, but which may have some merit to the solo practitioner, fellow seekers of truth, in this journey towards life. Moving towards life. Lessons in life and spirituality from an unconventional seeker. Bringing more to you, only here on the Big Papa Online Network. On Blog Talk Radio. Thursday night at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Join us for Weird Scenes Inside the Gold Mine, your essential guide to all things wild and wonderful in the world of cult entertainment. Drop in for a spell as Doc Savage, Lois Paul, myself, discuss the beloved, the the career, and the wonderful world of cult films, music, 
television, and more. We'll be covering classic films, shows, musicians, and literature of the past, with an eye towards what new visions may still arise from the soullessly derivative mire of our modern age. Tune in, turn on, and take a step outside the mainstream as we dig deep into the rich vein of cult cinema, music, and television, right here on Weird Seats Inside the Goldmine. Only here on the Big Papa Online Network on Blog Talk Radio. <laughs>